Welcome everybody to the Sleepy Perform Repeat podcast. This is your host, David Clancy, and along with my co-host, Connor Gavin, we are here in SoCo Performance, Dublin, Ireland, to bring you a podcast focusing on what it means to be performing at the highest level. What, in essence, is high-performance culture? We're going to share our experience and our backgrounds into what we've acquired over the years. Connor Gavin has extensive experience of working in the AFL with the West Coast Eagles, but also having worked in a high-performance environment with the Irish rugby team. Myself, David Clancy, I'm going to bring my experience and know-how from having worked in London with Isaac Kinetic Medical Group on Hardy Street, but also having experienced high-performance culture working with the Brooklyn Nets and the San Antonio Spurs of the NBA. What we're striving to achieve here is to find out what exactly makes high-level athletes tick and what makes them to perform at the highest level and how they really can get back to play at the highest level of return to play and return to performance after injury. How do all these elements play a role in performance? That's what we're really trying to find out here. So I hope you all enjoy listening to this and can learn. I really hope it sparks an interest because what we're really trying to do here in Ireland is evolve and grow and tap into what really makes high performance culture. Hey guys, so today we sat down and spoke to Martin Borgmeier, who is a golf long driver from Germany. He's a European champion in 2018. So we speak to Martin about the sport of long drive golf and how he got involved in it. So obviously it's a bit different to regular golf. So we break down the differences between the two. We chat about how he trains for long drive from both a physical and a mental point of view. We have a good chat about the physics and the design of the long drive club because it's obviously a bit different to your regular golf driver. We chat to him about his use of routines in his preparation and in competition and also his thoughts on altering his swing and how he's gone about doing that. So it's an interesting listen for anyone interested in golf and uh, other sports as well. And again, as per usual, any questions or comments from myself and David, we're there on Soco Performance or D Clancy Physio on Instagram. And Martin himself, you should check him out definitely and check out some of his clips. Uh, he's on Instagram as all one word, full beards, long drives. So search that and uh, you'll come across it fairly quickly. So yeah, interesting one. And thanks again to Martin for coming on. Hope you enjoy this one, guys. Morning everyone and welcome to another episode of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. Today we are speaking with another golfer, but not your typical golfer. We are speaking with Martin Borgmeier. I'm going to hand over to David, who is going to give an introduction to Martin. So we brought Martin on today as a little bit of a change of tact because we've obviously interviewed a PGA golfer there recently, George Katsia. But I've recently been looking on Instagram at athletes such as Martin and he... His site really drew my attention because he's the world long drive athlete, he's European champion. He has PRs of having drove the ball 436 yards at over 220 miles an hour. So quite insane numbers by any standard, by Rory McIlroy's standard, these are insane numbers. So the two of us were very much looking forward to hearing how Martin has become the athlete that he is today and hearing what high performance means to him so martin good morning thanks for coming on today tell us a little bit about yourself and how you've come to where you are today yeah thanks a lot guys uh, thanks for having me um yeah my story is a, is a bit different because obviously long drive is not around in europe for a long time right so long drive uh, came up like six years ago and for the first four years of it happening in Europe, I had no idea what was actually going on. So I 
didn't play golf at that moment. I was playing basketball. So hmm. when I was 15, 16 years old, I started playing basketball because um, at, at a very young age, so when I was like nine years old, I started playing golf back in Germany. And I mean, I don't know, probably it's different in the UK, but in Germany at that time, so that was like in the, in the 2000s, um, golf was not the sexiest sport out there. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I was I was playing golf, but at, at, at the age of 15, 16, I, was, I stopped doing that because it was not the sexiest thing to do. And I had my first girlfriend, my first motorcycle and all that good stuff, right? So <laughs> I actually, actually stopped doing that and uh, started playing basketball. And I did that for six years on a you know, fairly competitive level. I played in the Bavarian League in, um, okay. in Erlangen, which is a city close to Nuremberg. Okay. And um, basically, all the technique um, I did not have, so I was lacking a bit of technique basketball-wise. I had to yeah, um, find a compensation for that. Right, so what I did was I started working out. I put on 20 kilos, so I weighed 85 when I started, and in the very end, and right now I weigh between 105 and 110 kilos. So uh, try to, yeah, um, have an advantage towards my opponents on the physical level. So that's what I did, and all of a sudden, after a few years. Um, Back at my I, my job I had that time, my colleagues asked me if I yeah was interested in playing a round of golf. So yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> I went to the golf course with them after like five or six years again, and I still had my technique from from the old days, right? Because I was a fairly good golfer as a junior and played on national level and so on. I had a handicap of three when I was fourteen years old, Whoa. but um, I wasn't as strong. When I was young, right? And yeah. so I came back, was a lot stronger, had the same technique, and all of a sudden I hit the ball far, right? Hmm. And then, um, yeah, I, I just played golf fun for, for another two years, and then all of a sudden the, the first German long drive championship in 2017 came up, and my friends were like, Mark, you hit a long ball, go there. Go and try, do it, and show the others how good you are. And I had no idea. Um, I didn't know of the uh, European tour that was on that time for four years already. I had no clue, so I just went there, got myself a, a long drive club like two months before the event because I was I was checking a bit of the stuff that was going on, right? So I, I knew that I needed a special club okay. and that. And yeah, then um, from nowhere, out of nowhere, I hit the longest ball of the day that day at the German Long Drive Championship. Came second as an amateur. I lost in the final because I hit five balls OB. And you hit five um, you hit five yeah. balls what, sorry? OB out of bounds. Oh yeah, so, sorry. Yeah. You know, in, in long drive we usually in the competition we hit eight balls in a row, right? So we hit eight balls in three minutes and you have to hit the grid, which is between 40 and 60 yards wide. So if you if you don't hit the grid, your your ball doesn't count, and hmm. you have to hit the grid at least once. And I did not make that, but I only had five tries in that competition because things were a bit different that day. Because um, yeah, the sun <laughs> was gone. It was like nine o'clock in the evening, and they had to finish the tournament somehow. 
also they yeah cut three goals. So, so, so sorry, anyways, sorry to cut across. Yeah. You have to hit the yeah. grid one out of yeah. eight, otherwise you're disqualified. Is that right? Uh, I'm not disqualified, but you have no score for that. Okay, round, right? all right, so, fine. So what you do, just just to to summarize what's what's going on in terms of long drive. So what's happening at these competitions is in the very beginning you play a round robin which is a kind of a seeding so um, it defines who seats on first place and on eighth place and so on right yeah. and depending on the format you then go into match place so the number one seed plays against the number eight or 16 depending on which format you play um, seat and uh, then you go uh, into match place so head-to-head matchups so you hit one set of eight balls and whoever hits the furthest advances to the next round so Hmm. that means i only need one ball of these eight to beat my opponent right if i hit every shot in the grid and i don't know hit 380 381 384 whatever my longest ball is 384 and the other guy hits every single beat but one ball a yard longer than me, then he advances to the next round. So it's all about my my best ball out of these eight. Huh. Wow. Okay. Yes, yeah, it's different. To it golf, is right? different. Yeah. <laughs> it is different to golf. But would would you be? We're playing around today, and neither of us would be. We're playing with somebody who's quite good. Would you? You'd still be able to go around, or would you be still a handicap of three or four in normal golf? Is that fair to say? So. Um, to be very honest, I have played a tournament for five years now, so it's it's been a long time. But it uh, very much depends on the course. So yeah, on okay. very narrow courses, very very hard courses. Obviously, I'm not a handicap three at the moment. But if if it's quite open, right, and I can smash my drives, and it doesn't matter if I'm don't know find the rough and uh, can go from there to to find the green then I can play scratch. It, it very much depends. So um, I think I'm still quite competitive, but I haven't played a tournament for a long time. The only time I play golf is when just for fun in, in the evening with friends and only match plays. And yeah, and most of the time I can still keep up with all these scratch golfers. So um, yeah, I would say I'm still competitive. So that's, it's funny because I was at the Ryder Cup a couple of months ago in France and they were saying Europe the advantage was the fact that they couldn't necessarily drive it so far but because the fairways were a bit narrower the course was a bit more unforgiving that it it laid to their advantage but the American team who could drive the ball much further were used to those bigger fairways so I'm sure if you were in whistling straights in a couple of years you'd be setting records probably on that course right yeah well it, it always um, depends, right? Golf is completely different to long drive. So if I look at the long drive athletes we have in Europe and the ones we have in, in the US, yeah. it's completely different. And not in terms of performance. I would say the highest um, performing athletes in Europe are just as good as the highest performing athletes in the US. But in the US, you have, let's say, 80 of them. And in Europe, we have 10. So that's the difference, right? Because, I mean, golf is so much more accessible in the U.S. And um, that's why you simply have more golfers. And if you have more golfers, you have more long drivers, right? So that's, 
So that's simply it. You have a very, very tiny ratio of uh, long drivers per golfer, but if you have more golfers, then you have more long drivers. That's as easy as, easy as it is. Um, and to be very honest, too, um, I've been to the US now four times this year for long drive tournaments, so for the World Long Drive Championship um, tour events, and I haven't played a single round of golf. <laughs> so I've been to all the driving ranges, and if you look at... Um, my home course in Munich right here, we have the longest driving range I've ever seen in Europe. It's 450 meters, so like 500 yards long and extremely wide and there's nothing around it. So um, the perfect place for me to practice. Um, and they have three courses, A, B and C. I've played the C course, so the nine holes twice in one and a half years I practiced there and I've never seen A and B. <laughs> Okay. So that's that's how I approach or how long drivers usually approach our sport. It's it's golf, but it's completely different. Yeah. So so Martin, we have uh, we actually have clips of you um, hitting the golf ball on the TV here in the clinic as we speak, just for a bit of motivation uh, as we're looking at it. Four hundred and twenty yards out yeah. of Munich. Yeah. So it's it's quite it's quite an explosive movement, even com- compared to say watching a, a PGA Tour golfer off the tee. What's what's your training schedule like? How do you how do you train for this? In terms of, do you do much gym work or do you do much injury prevention work? What's what's your kind of physical preparation like uh, for as a long driver will say? Yeah, so that's absolutely true. We as long drivers, we go to the max, right? We we max out everything, and uh, obviously we're lacking a bit of accuracy then, so um, we can't hit every shot straight or it's very very rare that we do it right so it's a completely different approach to golf if you look at the ball speeds um you've mentioned 220 plus you will never see that or very very rare that you see in the 190 plus or even 200 plus on tour right so on the golf tour and um that to to reach these um yeah speeds you need to do different things very differently than a golfer. So um, the accuracy or the lack of accuracy um, is basically based on the speed as well. Because if you have only one degree of face angle to the wrong direction, your ball is, don't know, 60 yards probably um, to the left or to the right, which would be, don't know, 30 yards or 25 or whatever when you, um, yeah, play at the speed a PGA Pro does, right, at 180 ball speed or something. And to create these kinds of speeds, um, you need three things, basically. You need um, a basis of, um, let's say, muscle, right? So if you look at all the athletes, they have some, um, so basically not not everyone, but the, the average of the world long drive athletes are quite muscular. So that means um, they have the strength, they have the power to accelerate, right? So the basis. And to make your nervous system swing as fast, you have to do something more. So what I do is I do overspeed training. I don't know if you've seen the speed sticks um, that most of the PGA professionals use as well by now, um, which is basically a shaft, a golf shaft, yeah. without a club head. Yeah. And uh, but with a tiny uh, weight attached to the end of the shaft. So 
Um, there's obviously. I've used the thing called an orange whip. Would that be similar? Uh, no, that's that's a bit different. So the orange whip that basically whips, right? So the shaft yeah. is super super um, bendy, soft. Yeah, exactly. It's bendy, and it makes you or what it what it should do is make you create more lag. Yeah, yeah. But that's not what we want to do. We want to swing as fast as possible with a stick. Okay. So it's basically the same principle we um, we see at. Um, Olympic athletes like sprinters, for example. Sprinters, um, they practice their or train their uh, usual sprint, right, the 100 meters, but they do some overspeed training as well, and you can do it on, on different methods. So you can, for example, um, sprint downhill, like not much, like two degrees downhill, and there's tracks that are two degrees downhill. You can go, um, I don't know how you call it, do you call it wind canal or something? Yeah. A, yeah, a wind canal. Wind, yeah. So you, you turn on the downwind, wind from behind, and makes you go faster. You can, I don't know, attach yourself to a string or a rubber band or whatever, uh, which makes you pull, uh, which makes you pull yourself, right? So yeah. you go faster. And that's the same principle we use with the um, speed sticks. So we try to um, swing a lighter object, which is 20% lighter than our usual club, which makes us swing faster. And that also adapts to my normal swing, which makes me go faster. And when I started long drive, I was swinging about 138 miles per hour, when I, which was already pretty fast, but um, so I had a good basis, but um, which is not world level. And I... Uh, with only with the um, super speed sticks, I achieved 12 miles an hour more, and right now I peak at about 150 miles per hour. So that's that's difference, and that's what it takes to yeah basically qualify for um, playing the world long drive tour because all the guys are fast over there. There's no difference between those guys in terms of speed. Obviously, some are a bit slower. Some, some are a bit faster, but you need to be 140 to 145 on average to actually compete. Whoa, okay. And then to, to the third the question, thing, obviously, yeah. obviously it's not only, it's not only uh, gym work and overspeed training. So the, the stuff I do in the gym um, is still a bit, um, yeah, bodybuilding or... Um, basketball training like because yeah. um, I get used to that I do a lot of plyometrics hmm. so a lot lot of jumping I do sprints I do my um, my usual bodybuilding split still today so I I train um, pull push and legs yeah. so um, three three different um, trainings not not a week but my yeah, my cycle consists of these three. Yeah. And um, plus, obviously, it's not only about gym work and all that stuff. You need to be on the driving range. You, you need to be at the driving range, practice your swing, because you can swing it as fast as you want. Um, if you don't hit the grid and you don't hit the shot with the perfect launch angle, the perfect spin rate and um, the speed, uh, speed is only one factor, and you can practice that in the gym or can set the basis in the gym. But if you don't have the perfect launch angle and the direction, 
you don't get any score and then you can't win, right? So it basically consists of uh, the three parts, overspeed training, gym work, and the actual technique work at the driving match. Okay, just tell me, tell me a little bit about the long drive club and how that's maybe a little bit different from a driver I'd use today. Yeah, so um, let's start at the length of the shaft. So the usual golf club, if we check Rory McIlroy's or Tiger Woods' golf club um, and look at the driver, it's normally between 45 and 46 inches long. Some yeah. say 45 and a half, some cut it a little bit by half an inch or something, but anywhere around that length. Most of the golfers um, play at that length if they uh, play on the course. Yeah. The long drivers um, max out at 48 inches. Okay. So that's the maximum allowed um, by USGA and, and the RNA, so the official rules. And most of the long drivers use the maximum possible. I play um, some clubs at 48, and I do have a few at 47.75, so um, somewhere around that, but um, most of the guys go for full length. Then the shaft itself, obviously, if you look at the standard flexes, you have a ladies' flex, which is very soft. You have a regular flex, which suits most of the golfers. Then you have a stiff flex for the better golfers, but swing it that's a bit faster. Then you have the extra stiff flex that is for very, very good golfers that swing even faster. And the long drivers use between double X and five X. So I have everything in my bag as well for different conditions, different launch conditions. Hmm. So it's extremely stiff. It's long, but stiff and light at the same time. So it's graphite and uh, my shafts all weigh between 60 and 65 grams so that is extremely wow. light very light yeah yeah super light and i also so it's a pers personal preference but i also use very light grips so my grips are 25 grams most of the guys use 50 gram uh, grips but um i like my clubs being very top heavy so that's why i use these light, light grips but it's it's not a common thing, it's more like a personal preference. And then the most important thing is um, the loft. So um, the club face, so the angle of the club face, the loft, is usually between, let's say, 8.5 and 10.5 degrees for a usual normal golfer, also on the PGA Tour. Okay. And um, long drive starts at 5 and ends at 1. So anything between one and five degree loft is your usual long drive club. And the rest of the club, so the club face and everything is completely legal. So you could play these um, golf clubs um, on your private ground or tournament or whatever. But um, yeah, you guessed it, it's extremely hard to, to hit it. Right, so if you play a loft of two degrees or three degrees or whatever, um, yeah, the, the the slightest mistake in your golf swing ends up um, with a very very bad ball flight. So I wouldn't recommend doing it, but you would be allowed to do it. So it's completely legal. Okay, so Martin, one thing we we see a lot of in golf is the use of. Um 
kind of sports psychology techniques in terms of visualization and mindfulness, yeah. these kind of things. Is there, do you employ any of those techniques or, or, or do you see them as having a place in the long drive game? Absolutely. So um, as soon as you um, have, have re repetitive stuff at, at any sports, in my opinion, um, routines come into play. Um, look at basketball. I always had the same routine when I was facing my uh, free throws, yeah. and I do the same at long drive. Right? I have three minutes and eight balls. It's the same every time, and I try to stick to my routine as much as possible. So, if you look, um, don't know, in in January uh, in the afternoon at some day at the world long drive, and time my um, my set of eight it should be exactly the same as the one i play tomorrow right so what i do is i this is my personal routine everyone's a bit different but i step behind the ball take a look visualize my ball flight so i choose the the ball flight i want to hit because not every shot is the same it's not only about hammering it down there it's uh, very much comes down to how the conditions are so where's the wind coming from how firm is uh, the fairway so the surface um at which elevation are we playing um where's where's the sun are we playing into sun do you actually see the ball fly it, it's everything's different at every tournament so i still try to visualize the shot i want to hit um, then I don't know if you've seen that move. I have a very weird move because I twirl my club a little bit when I yeah. When I was, I, uh, I've kind of watched your technique. Yeah, it's it's a bit different, yeah. but yeah. But I for some reason I, I'm doing it for over a year already. Um, I I did it when, when I when I started. I, I just did it once and it worked out fine. From then on, for some reason <laughs> I kept doing it. Right, and right now it's. It's an automatic. I can't help it. I, I don't even think about it. And then I address the ball, um, have a look at the targets, and then I I do have one swing thought. So that can be different every day because your swing is a tiny bit different every day. Yeah. It very much depends on how you feel. How <laughs> I don't know how your a week before was. How how whatever. Right. Your swing yeah. is always a little bit different. Every golfer knows that. Yeah. And I try to focus on that one swing thought, grab it, and swing it. And then I have a look after the ball, check the ball flight, and adapt from there. So that's basically my routine. And um, the worst thing you can do from a um, psychology perspective is think about what you're doing. Right? All that stuff that you do right there is so repetitive that you can practice it and that you go in uh, autopilot mode once you step on the tee box. So that's what I always try to achieve. Um, I'm, I'm not perfect, absolutely not. Sometimes I start thinking, especially when I, when I don't know, hook four balls in a row or be left, right? Yeah, then I yeah. start to think, oh, am I doing this right, right? Yeah. It happens, but um, the less I think, uh, the more autopilot I, I go, the better I play tournaments usually. So that's always my goal to to go autopilot. I like that a lot because I can, I've had I've had a couple of lessons and I'm tending to overthink, and it it, it affects it affects a lot. It affects definitely your your contact on the ball. 
So do you have a do you have a coach, Martin, or are you kind of is this been all sort of self-taught or how are you kind of introduced to it? Never mind the fact that you had your your basketball background, you got bigger and then you notice it. Do you have a coach these days who who helps you with technique issues or is it all just yourself trying to find out and explore it yourself? Absolutely. So I do have a swing coach. Um, what I did when I started is I was basically looking for a long drive coach. So I checked the internet and it doesn't exist. Hmm. There's not a single dedicated long drive coach out there. We're getting there, definitely. Um, so um, all the golf coaches, so some of them specialize more in um, the long drive. But um, it's still a sport within a sport, right? So yeah. what I did is I checked who are the guys who are successful um, practicing with and who's helping them. So um, it didn't take long, maybe a few seconds, and I ended up at Lee Cox's homepage, right? It's mm. Lee Cox. He coaches uh, two-time world champion Joe Miller. He's at uh, the Shire London. Okay. And I'm flying out there on uh, Thursday again. So I try to see him as much as possible. I always try to, um, once I'm in the UK, I always try to see him and work on my swing. We exchange videos every day of my swing. And he tells me what what's going right, what's going wrong, and what I have to focus on. So definitely, you need, in my opinion, um, it's very rare that people... Um, are successful completely without a look from the outside, right? That's what you need a coach for. You need someone, uh, you need a different pair of eyes that checks your swing with some knowledge. Because um, obviously I see all that stuff in my swing myself, but I always focus on, on the points I know, right? And sometimes you need that little bump from the side to... Um, or just a different um, idea to fix it, right? And yeah. uh, Lee's the best out there. He's in the game for 15 years already. He's seen so many swings, and he helped me a lot. He actually got me into the real game of long drive. So when I compare my swing one and a half years ago when I started and what I tried to do myself, and um, once I started, um, started working with Lee, it's incredible how much my swing changed and how little I actually felt it. So, because swing changes are always a bit, ah, you're not used to it, right? You don't want to change this, you don't want to change that because you feel comfortable with it. But absolutely all the time I felt super comfortable with it. And that's um, also pretty important because your swing in practice is different to your swing in competition. So, um, People always tend to yeah, bounce back to their old swing when they're in competition and when they're under pressure. And um, yeah, what I achieved uh, tournament after tournament after tournament, uh, reflecting on the swing, I, I was doing that tournament with Lee, helped a lot to yeah, basically bring my practice swing into competition. And right now I'm at a stage that I would say I'm almost there. So it's, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's always lacking a bit it's lagging a bit behind, right? So, like, the swing you I did in practice, like, don't know, eight weeks ago, is now my competition swing, right? Okay. So, it's 
it's always um, lagging a bit. But um, yeah, that's Lee Cox, my swing coach. And I also work with a, a sports psychologist on, on the mental side of things. And um, yeah, that's basically it. All the fitness stuff. I do have several guys I'm, I'm talking to to just exchange ideas and opinions, but I don't have a um, dedicated fitness coach. So that's all the stuff. Um, all, I'm doing all that stuff by myself, but those are the guys I'm working with. I actually think I read an article on Lee Cox in a Golf World issue recently. I think Poulter was on the front, and it might have been how to drive 30 or 40 yards further. And I think there was a special feature article on him, because that name rings a bell. But, um, yeah, he's in, he's in all the magazines all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. He's in, in today's golfer and all these magazines all the time, because he's pretty famous for being, yeah, for... Making your making golfers longer. Perfect. So, Martin, we're coming towards the end of the, the the session here now, but we've got a couple of quick fire questions that we put to everyone who comes on the show um, to get your get your uh, view of them. So, what what's your definition of high performance, or what what does high performance mean to you? Um, for me, high performance is peaking at the right moment. Okay, perfect. Very good. And then let's just say we again we saw we were just talking out of talking about it before we started recording the the clip of you yesterday, where you were uh, doing the drive and then going up to the green screen. But if you have if you have a bad drive, say you've got your eight balls and you you, you skew one of them, what do you do to reset yourself in between? Is it literally go to your routine, back to your routine as you described, or have you other methods that you use to regain your edge or reset yourself? Um, I do have. A, I, I do have a recording on my on my cell phone I listen to. It's three minutes of uh, secret things, obviously. I listen to to reset myself. Okay, perfect. And then, uh, last question. What are your three big things in life at the moment, Martin? Whether that's related to the golf or related to your personal life, anything that kind of makes you who you are today? Yeah, first of all, it's family. I'm, I'm married for three years. My wife is awesome. I, I wouldn't be able to do all this stuff without her because she's not blocking me but pushing me, which is absolutely awesome, mm-hmm. right? So number two is I want to grow the game. So I founded the European Long Drive Games this year in Europe. We're playing an entire tour um, all over Europe. We're going to Mallorca in Spain in August, um, which I don't play myself. But do it for the sport in Europe to grow it and to make long drives bigger and give all these amazing long drives to Europe more opportunity to compete on a certain level. Yeah. And number three is obviously myself. Yeah, develop myself as an athlete, become successful in the US on the on a world level, on the highest level possible. And um, my goal is to make the TV rounds this year and to win an event. Perfect. So la- lastly for me, uh, Martin, you, you just speak there about a sport within a sport uh, with, the, with the long drive. We have a sport here in Ireland, I don't know if you've ever heard of it before, called hurling. And they have a competition called the Puck Fada, basically, which is trying to hit a ball as long as you can. The, so it's a baseball-sized ball hitting with, a, with an ash stick. So you should check that out. You might get a few uh, technique pointers, something to... Get Simon Cox on board and get him viewing a few clips. It might give him some inspiration. It's awesome. Send them over, definitely. Never yeah. heard of it. 
There you go. Now, I have one question, then we're going to wrap up, Martin. Who's your basketball? You've been a basketball player like myself. Is Dirk Nowitzki your favorite player of all time, or who's your favorite? <laughs> who's your favorite player? He's he's had quite a quite a career, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dirk is awesome, absolutely. But I grew up with Michael Jordan, so same as I me. Definitely go with Michael Jordan, definitely. Um, but I mean, look at Dirk's career and look at that that guy. He's incredible, absolutely. But I would still go with Michael because. Uh, I wore a Chicago Bulls shirt with a 23 when I was, uh, don't know, seven years old already and <laughs> didn't didn't actually play basketball when I was young. I just started when I was 15, but I was already a fan at a young age, so I would go with Michael. And, and what position did you play or do you play? I saw you shooting a jump shot there on Instagram and it looked like you have a bit of a yeah. shooting guard in you, but you're also a big body, so do you play inside? Yeah, so to be very honest, I've, I've never played the shooting guard because we had our, our guys were uh, too good to play the two, but I was something between uh, three and four. So I was always somewhere between the small and the power forward. So you're like Zion Williamson? A little bit, yeah. I mean, the, the problem was always the handles. So, I mean, I wasn't. I was pretty fast, I would say, so I was pretty quick, uh, and my shooting was not too bad, but my handles weren't good enough to, yeah, actually play very much on the outside, so I always had to <laughs> play under the basket. I hope you're cheering on Bayern in the, in the EuroLeague this year, because I actually worked with a player who, who plays for Bayern Munich, a Serbian kid, so I hope, you, I hope you've been supporting them this season. Yeah, as I live in Munich, absolutely I do. Um, to be very honest as well, I don't watch too much football at yeah. the moment. Um, I was more into it a few years ago, but um, I still check the news, obviously, and I support them. Cool. Martin, um, I suppose I just want to say thank you very much for coming on today. We've learned, myself kind of learned an awful lot about long drive. What a fascinating and interesting sport within a sport that's growing your you're kind of one of the pioneers there. You're trying to help it become bigger on the European landscape. You have two people here today, plus our whole listenership now that will know your sport. You're somebody that really un was trying to understand yourself. You're big into self-inquiry, um, always striving to be the best you can be. You're, you deliberately practice. You're somebody that tries to come up and become an autopilot, and that's probably a testament to the preparation, the training, the scheduling that you put in so that you can drive that ball insane yardage, that one shot out of the eight. So the two of us would like to say once again, thanks very much for coming on today. Hope you've enjoyed it and let's stay in touch. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having me.